Grab your Bible and turn to the book of Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, but don't stand up just yet. We're not going to read. This uh, um, this will be my last Sunday with you for a couple of weeks, but um, Wednesday night I'm not going to be here either. We're going to be leaving out of town Wednesday evening sometime before the church service starts, but Eddie will be with you Wednesday night, so I encourage you to come out for the Bible study. He said, uh, just a heads up, you're going to be studying from James chapter 1, so if you come to the Wednesday night Bible study... James chapter 1 is where you'll be at Wednesday night. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ricky Lee, take us there, please. I heard a, um, a story about a man that he was a, he was a journalist and he was going to Jerusalem. He was hoping he might find a story there. He was new. He needed, he needed something that would catch his reader's attention. He finds an apartment in Jerusalem that's overlooking the western wall of the old temple. And if any of you know, that's the place where many Jews still come today. And they still cast their burdens and they still pray toward this wall. And he is in the apartment and he was overlooking at this wall. And he's noticed that as he had been there a couple of weeks, that every time he would come in and out of his room, at certain times of the day, he would look out at that western wall and there was always one certain man that he recognized that was there every single day, at least three to four times a day. And he thought perhaps that there might be a story there for him. So he goes down and he asks the man. He says, I've noticed from my room that you come here every day, three to four times a day, and you pray. He said, if, do you mind if I ask you what you're praying for? He said, not at all. He said, I'm praying for world peace. I'm praying for the brotherhood of all mankind to become one. And I'm praying for all the illness and disease of all the earth to be lifted. Very noble request, amen? And every day I've been praying this. And he said, how long have you been coming and praying for these requests? He said, I've been coming 20 to 25 years. He said, 20 to 25 years you have came asking for world peace, asking for the brotherhood of all mankind, and asking that all the illness and disease be lifted. 20 to 25 years you have come asking for that every single day. He said, yes, I have. He said, what does that feel like? He said, it feels like I'm talking to a wall. You know, I thought about that. <laughs> How many times do we pray? Not to a wall. Pray to the God of all creation. How many times do we pray and pray and pray? And how many times have we felt like we're talking to a wall? Sometimes God does not answer right away in the way that we think He should. Anybody ever experienced that in here? Now we have also seen many times where God moved instantly in a prayer. But God works all things together for our good. He has a purpose and a reason for everything. And He knows when the trial needs to begin in your life. And He knows when it needs to end in your life. So sometimes during this waiting period, it's like talking to a wall. You know, I, it, it amazes me when I really think about Abraham. I know I say this a lot, but maybe you, you just don't get it like I do. Abraham was 75 years old. God had promised him that he's going to make him a great nation and he does not have a child. He's 75. Anybody in here 75 or older? 
How many of you are ready for your next child at 75? He's 75 years old. And he, and he says, God, I believe you. I believe that you're going to give me a child. I believe that you're going to make me a great nation. That's faith. And then 25 years goes by, and he still does not have a child. But do you know what Abraham is still doing? He's still believing God. 25 years passes by. Can, can anybody in here really imagine 25 years of waiting on a particular promise? Some Christians in here can. I cannot imagine the faith that it takes to just trust that this voice that I heard that said, if you'll follow me, I'm going to do this for you. 25 years later, I'm 99 years old. I still don't have my first child, but he's still promising me that at 99 years old, he's going to make me a great nation. How many of us would have gave up by then? How many of us would have went back to Ur, where he come from, where his homeland was, where his money was, where his family was? Last week, I got to talking to you about the, um, the first coming and the second coming and all the things that Jesus was teaching us about how we will see tough times. He said the trials are going to come to where you're going to desire to see just one of the days of the Son of Man, but you won't see it. And he tells them, during that time, you've got to hang on. You've got to endure. You've got to stay strong. And he told us one of the ways in, that we do that is making sure that we pray and we do not quit praying. He said, if we pray, we shall not lose heart. We have to stay in prayer with God in order to endure during those times that we don't know where God is. God, we're praying, but it seems like we're talking to a wall. God says, just hang on. Just keep praying. Just keep talking. I want to read again Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. I sort of want to finish up what I didn't get to finish last week, if that's all right. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. I would thank you if you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word. Last week we talked about how prayer gives you strength to endure during this time. But where I failed to get to is praying for vengeance on your adversary. How many of you know you've got an adversary today? How many of you know that everything that you face that is not good in your life, it is from him? He is the cause of it. He is the reason behind everything in your life that is not good. I don't care what it is. Whatever your sin addiction is that keeps you down, Whatever it is that hinders you from being all that God wants you to be, He is the reason. All your troubles that you face, He is the reason. So I want to talk to you today about praying for vengeance on your adversary. Luke 18 verse 1 says this, Then He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a, city, a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor do I regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. 
verse 6. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? You may be seated. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith? Will it even be here? In the days of Noah, whenever judgment finally fell on that place, how many were saved? In the days of Lot, when Sodom and Gomorrah was uh, destroyed, how many were saved? The Bible tells us that many are called, but few are chosen. The Bible says that wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many are they who go by it. But narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life, and few are they who find it. Now, I'm not trying to tell you today that um, there ain't but one or two families here this morning that um, is going to make it when the Lord comes back. No, I'm trying to tell you that the Bible tells us over and over again that faith is going to be very slim when the Son of Man comes back. Matter of fact, it's going to be so slim that the, that the Son actually asks the question, when I come back, will I really find faith on the earth? I want to look at the three key players in this parable right here. In this parable, you've got a widow. You've got a widow who is weak. She's poor. She's lonely. She has no man to stand up for her. In this parable, you have the widow that represents all of us. A widow in this day and time was not someone who had just lost a spouse. A widow was someone who had no one. They had no spouse. They had no family. They had no one. If it were not for this judge that she's fixing to go to, there is no one else that can help this woman in her time of need. So we have a widow, weak, lonely, poor, cannot help herself, her only source of help, the judge. The second player we have, we have an adversary. This adversary has apparently oppressed this widow. He's tormented this widow. Because she's had no one, he's just took advantage of this widow. He's done whatever he wanted to do with this widow. He has poked at her and played games with her, and then he's tried to just feed her to the wolves. And she has no one to help her. And then we have an unjust judge. We have a judge in this case that is her only source of help, but the problem is this. This judge has two obstacles that keep him from helping this widow. The first obstacle is this judge, he does not fear God. He does not fear God, and that tells us that if he did fear God, that he would have reason to help this widow. Because God says what? Take care of the orphans and the widows. But he does not fear God. So he has absolutely no reason within himself to help this widow whatsoever. Not only does he not fear God, but the second obstacle that stands in his way of helping this widow is that he don't regard man, period. He's got no respect for man. This widow means nothing to him. He has no reason to help this widow whatsoever. She does not belong to him. 
Now, if this were his mother or his sister, then possibly he might have reason to help her, but she means nothing to him. So he has absolutely no reason to help her, and yet he is her only source of help. And she comes to this judge and she says, Get me justice from my adversary. I have been tormented. I have been tossed around this place. I have been teased. I have been persecuted. Everything this adversary has done to me, get me justice for this. Is she wrong? Absolutely not. She's not wrong. Has she come to the right place? Yeah. There's nobody else that can give her justice. I want you to think about this. In this parable, you represent the widow that has seen times that you desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. I'm getting that from Luke 17, if you want to back up, if you weren't here last week. He said there will be days when you will desire to see just one of the days of the Son of Man. The trials are going to get so tough. The burdens are going to get so heavy that you will desire to see just one, but you will not see it. And he goes on and he says that, that, that the only source of help during this time is prayer to the judge. Now, I don't want you to be offended that Jesus has just compared the, the God of all the universe to an unjust judge. I want you to think about it like this. Do you remember when Jesus is compared in the Bible to his coming to a thief during the night? Does that mean that Jesus is like a thief? No, it does not. It compares him and his coming to the coming of a thief during the night, saying that his coming will be quick and it will be sudden. Well, in a similar manner, the Bible is not comparing God to this unjust judge saying that God is unjust. The Bible is saying that if this, if this unjust judge who has no fear of God, he has no regard of man, he has no reason to help whatsoever, but yet because she continually comes and she's persistent in her request, he finally hears her. How much more? You see the opposite ends of the spectrum? In other words... If an unjust judge that has no regard for man, he has no respect for person whatsoever because you don't belong to him. If he will hear your prayer and your cry after a continual process of coming, how much more will the God that saved your soul, who chose you to be his own, the God who so loved you, the God who has every reason to help the widows, the God who has every reason to help the poor. The God who does respect His children. He is not respecter of person. I've, I've preached that sermon once before, so I'm not going backwards, I'm going forward. But God does show favor to those that He loves. So God has every reason to hear your cry. God has every reason to hear your prayer. And God has every reason to answer when you call. So the parable ends by saying this in verse 6. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? And look at verse 8. I tell you that he will avenge them 
and he'll do it speedily. You know, this is a prayer that I wonder how many people in here could pray. I wonder how many people in here could pray, Lord, come quickly. I wonder how many people could honestly look up to the sky right now and say, Lord, if you came back right now, it wouldn't be quick enough. That ain't something I've been able to pray my whole life. I'm resting assured right now that I'm looking on a congregation right here that, that a few of you probably couldn't pray that prayer right now either. I've been in that place. I have. It's not a good place to be. We have an adversary. The Bible calls him in the book of Revelations the great accuser. Look at uh, Revelations chapter 12. I actually covered some of this Wednesday night, but I'm going to hit it again because it goes right along with it. Revelations chapter 12, let's start in verse 10. This is what it reads. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down, and they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. The Bible says that there is a great accuser, and he stands in the courtroom of God, and he cries out, day and night to God, just like me and you cry out day and night, but his reason is different. He stands in this courtroom, and he stands at the throne room of grace, and he looks at God and he says, God, that Ricky Lee only follows you because you've blessed him the way that you have. The only reason that he loves you is because of that family that you've gave him, that job that he's got. But you take that family away from him and you watch what he'll do. He'll turn his back on you and he'll curse you. Is this ringing a bell to anybody? Job. The Bible said that Job was a man upright in all his ways, that he was a man that God so loved, just like me and you. And the devil came to present himself in front of God and he said, what about that servant Job you've got there? The only reason he follows you, the only reason he loves you is because you put this hedge around him. You won't let me get to him. God says, go ahead and accuse Job all you want. Then Jesus is on the defense side standing beside of you. And he looks back at the prosecutor. He says, I'll tell you what. Just so you say just so you have the evidence to prove what you say, go ahead, take his family away from him. Go ahead and try to build some evidence against this man. Go ahead and take his job away from him. Go ahead and take whatever you think it is worldly here that keeps him, that, that keeps him following you. And the Bible said that that day he lost everything he owned. He lost his children, his cattle, his house, he lost everything in one day. And you know what Job did? 
He said, The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. And then this great accuser stood up in front of God again the next day, and he says, Okay, okay, but I'm not resting my case yet. He didn't curse you yet, but I'll tell you what, it's only because you gave him such good health. Strike him with cancer. Hit him with lung cancer. Hit him with the biggest thing you've got out there. Hit him with AIDS. Hit him with something that is just going to scare, scare him to death. And watch what he'll do. He'll turn on you and he'll curse you in a minute. And then Jesus stands over here next and he says, You think so? Go ahead. Since you say you've got evidence that he will, go ahead. Let's see your evidence. And here we go again. He gets struck. Revelations tells us that he does this day and night, not only against Job, but guess who else? Every day, you've got an accuser that stands before God. And he says, you know, Letha Lee, i tell you what. Send this her way and watch what she'll do. She don't love you. You know, Wanda Senyard, oh, she prays all the time. But you know what? Take this away from her and watch what she'll do. She'll turn on you. She'll go back to her worldly ways. Joyce Bomar, oh, she loves those kids of hers. But you know what? Take them away. Watch what she'll do. She'll turn her back on you in a minute. And either he's right or he's wrong. That's the reason the Bible says that don't think it's strange when a trial comes upon you as if some strange thing has happened. He said it's a test of your faith. And either you recognize that all of this that we work for and all this that we do is temporary and it means nothing and the only thing that's eternal is our relationship with Him and the prize that He has for us. Or if you don't have that knowledge and you don't have that understanding in your heart, the first trial that comes in your way, you'll quit. You'll pack your stuff up. You'll go home. After one year of praying at that wall of God, after one year of praying and praying and praying, you'll finally say, He ain't listening to me, and you'll just quit. But I want you to remember Abraham. After 25 years, at 99 years old, he still don't have this promised child. But does he quit? Does he even really think about quitting from what we can tell? You know why? Because he believed. He said, God, I believe that you are God. God, I believe that you work all things together for the good of those who love you. God, I believe that no matter what evil comes my, my way, you will use it for good. God, I trust you. I tell people all the time that come to me in tough times and they just barely holding on, I say, listen, your statement from here on out is, God, I trust you. I trust you. I don't care what you send my way. I don't care what you allow to happen. The Bible tells us that God does not tempt anyone, nor is, can God be tempted. But let me tell you what God does allow. He allows you to be led into temptation to try your faith. He allows you to be tested to see just how true you are to Him. You do realize that this is your wilderness journey. And either you pass the test and you cross over in the other side or you die in the wilderness with the rest of them. 
the ones that pass through the other side are the ones that walk to the end and they say, God, I trust you. God, I believe what you have waiting for me on the other side. God, go ahead and send, go ahead and let that accuser send whatever he wants to send. If that's what you want to hit me with, we'll go through it together. We'll stand strong. Oh, it's going to be tough. Oh, it's going to be tough, and I know it's going to be tough. There's going to be a time of mourning. There's going to be a time of, try, of crying. There's going to be a, a time of just pouring my heart out day after day after day after day. But you know what Jesus said? Men ought to always pray and not lose heart. Pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And every time that accuser hits you with every the least little bit of trial, you look back at him. And you overcome him, according to Revelations, by the blood of the Lamb. Every time that accuser throws something your way and says you'll curse him, look at what you've done in the past. Look at who you used to be, Nick. Oh, you ain't always been this way. I remember you. I remember you, Ricky Lee. I know who you really are, Ricky Lee. Oh, don't sit there and try to act like, oh, godly Ricky Lee. I know who you are. Letha, I know who you used to be. And then you look back at him and you say, yeah, you know who I used to be, but I want to point you to the blood of the Lamb. I want to point you to the blood that has covered all that. Paul said it like this. I love his scripture. He said, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. Look at what I did in my past. But by the grace of God and by the blood of the Lamb, I am what I am today. And you say the same thing. I know what I used to be, but I know what he's made me today. He said he overcame them by the blood of the Lamb, and he overcame them by the word of their testimony. God, I trust you. I trust you, God. I'm going to follow you all the way to the end. And then the last step, they did not love their lives to death. They saw that all this was temporary. They saw that there is absolutely no hope in this world, Andy. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it best when he said, What does it profit you to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? What are you working for? What in the world are you going after? What does it profit you to have 10,000 acres of land and, 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 and have the biggest house on the hill and yet die in your sins? What does it profit you? What have you gained? Nothing. They did not love their lives to death. So remember the words of Jesus where he said, Remember Lot's wife. Every time the accuser comes after you, every time the adversary hits you with something, you get on your knees and you cry out to him day and night just like that widow. And you hit him every day, you hit him every night. And I promise you, by your continual coming, if an unjust judge who has no fear of God, he has no regard of man, if he will answer the widow after a persistence of coming. How much more will God hear his chosen ones? Look at Romans 8, and I'm closing. I ain't got to say nothing else. Look at Romans 8, 31 through 35. I want to remind you of this right here. Here's the reason why you can come before him and you can ask him for anything. He is your great judge. You may be a widow, you may be poor, weak, and have nobody to stand up for you against this adversary, against this accuser. However, you need to remember this. Romans 8, 31. 
What then shall we say to these things? And here's the way I like to put it. How do we answer these accusations? How do we answer whenever these accusations are brought against us that we'll turn our back on Him? Well, here's what you do. You look at Him and you say, If God be for me, who can be against me? Is there one? Is there anyone? Is there any accuser out there, any adversary out there that would like to stand up and say that you can be against me if God is for me? The great accuser, he'll sit down. He'll say, I rest my case because there's nothing else I can do. There's nothing else I can say. Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Whatever you come to him to ask for, he has a purpose and a reason, but he has in his mind to give you all things that you ask for. You know why? Look at verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That's another thing you say to that accuser. What charge do you think you can actually bring against me? It is God who justifies. It is God who has gave me freedom. Go on to verse 34. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. We still have that lawyer sitting on the other side. Every accusation that's brought against us, every condemnation that's brought against us from this other side, our right-hand man, Mr. Jesus Christ, sits on the other side and he says, let me give you an answer for everything you have. I have justified him. I have died for his sins. And not only that, I have risen again to give him new life. You have no rule or reign here. Get on out of here. So I ask you this, are you still praying for vengeance against your adversary? Everything you face, everything that he's done to you, everything he's done to your children. How many of you got kids that are lost in sin? How many of you got family, period, that's lost in sin? Every one that, it's, that keeps away from that, it's him. He's the one doing it. He is who we are fighting he is the one that keeps you hung up on your addictions. He's the one that puts you in the bed instead of standing you up on your feet. He is the one that is not for you. He is against you. His job is to steal your life, to kill your life, to destroy your soul. That's His job. But are you still going to God on a daily basis saying, God, come quickly. Come quickly and you string this joker up by his neck and you throw him down in that fire where he'll never come out. Because I'm tired of fighting. I don't know about y'all. I'm sick of this. I'm sick of my adversary. I'm like, I am this widow. I'm this widow and I'm standing before my judge and I'm saying, get me justice and get it quick. I am sick and tired of him oppressing me. I'm sick and tired of him poking me. I'm sick and tired of him coming at me with this and this and offering me this and that. I'm tired of it. God, get me justice. And the quicker the better. The Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. And that's the reason why he has not come yet. But don't you think for a minute that he's slack concerning his promise. He promised you He's coming. He promised you justice will be served. 
and you keep praying and you keep praying until the day you see the Son of Man come to give justice and then it'll all be over. Y'all stand. I don't even know how to give invitation. The altar's open. Whatever you need, you come pour your heart out to him. Pour it out like water. Just give it to him. You ain't even got to wait on no music if you need to come. Whatever you need this morning, I pray that you just come and just take care of whatever the Lord is dealing with you. Jesus is tenderly calling me home, calling today, calling today. Why from the sunshine of love wilt thou roam farther and farther away? Calling today, calling today, Jesus is calling, is tenderly calling today. Jesus is calling the weary to rest, calling today, calling today. Bring him thy burden, and thou shalt be blessed. He will not turn you away. Calling today, calling today. Jesus is calling you, tenderly calling today. You know, I don't know... Uh, I feel like there may be somebody in here this morning that could look at me and say that, um, you know what? If he sends that stuff my way, <laughs> I may be one of those that quits. I don't know. I want to say to you, like I said last week, pray that your spirit would be strengthened by his might in your inner man. Because I promise you, when Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he wasn't talking about making a three-pointer. He wasn't talking about scoring a touchdown. He wasn't talking about hitting a strike on, a, on, a, on the bowling alley. He wasn't talking about sports. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, anything that he calls me to do, anything that he tells me he requires of me, I can do it because He strengthens me. Whatever this adversary brings my way, I can make it through it. Not because I have power, but because He strengthens me. So I encourage you this morning, whoever you are, whatever you need, I pray that you would step out and that you would either trust God, and if you know who He is, then it ought not be a problem. You put your trust in Him. And you say, God, I know it's tough. I know it's hard. But I trust You. I trust that no matter what You allow me to go through, You will bring me through it. I believe He says in the book of Philippians, matter of fact, I'm just going to read it real quick while we still got people praying. In the book of Philippians, chapter 1, Verse 6, listen to what Paul said. He said, Being confident of this very thing, 
that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm confident. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if indeed he started a work in you, he is able to finish it. He will complete it. If you will stay in there with him and you will trust him, he will give you the power to complete this work. He will take you to the end until the day that Jesus Christ comes back. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. And that's the same thing you have to do. That's why they call it faith. You look at him just like Paul did and you say, I'm confident. I'm confident of this very thing that he started something and you rest assured he's going to finish it. I believe it and I know it.